Section 17 of The Coming Race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. The Coming Race by Edward George Bulwer Lytton. Chapter 25. Part 1. And this, said I, with my mind full of what I had witnessed, this i presume is your usual form of burial our invariable form answered apalin what is it amongst your people we inter the body whole within the earth what to degrade the form you have loved and honoured the wife on whose breast you have slept to the loathsomeness of corruption but if the soul lives again can it matter whether the body wastes within the earth or is reduced by that awful mechanism worked no doubt by the agency of rill into a pinch of dust you answer well said my host and there is no arguing on a matter of feeling but to me your custom is horrible and repulsive and would serve to invest death with gloomy and hideous associations it is something, too, to my mind, to be able to preserve the token of what has been our kinsman or friend within the abode in which we live. We thus feel more sensibly that he still lives, though not visibly so to us. But our sentiments in this, as in all things, are created by custom. Custom is not to be changed by a wise on any more than it is changed by a wise community without the greatest deliberation followed by the most earnest conviction it is only thus that change ceases to be changeability and once made is made for good when we regained the house apalin summoned some of the children in his service and sent them round to several of his friends requesting their attendance that day during the easy hours to a festival in honour of his kinsman's recall to the all-good this was the largest and gayest assembly i ever witnessed during my stay among the ana and was prolonged far into the silent hours the banquet was spread in a vast chamber reserved especially for grand occasions this differed from our entertainments and was not without a certain resemblance to those we read of in the luxurious age of the roman empire there was not one great table set out but numerous small tables each appropriated to eight guests it is considered that beyond that number conversation languishes and friendship cools the anon never laugh loud as i have before observed but the cheerful ring of their voices at the various tables betokened gaiety of intercourse. As they have no stimulant drinks, and are temperate in food, though so choice and dainty, the banquet itself did not last long. The table sank through the floor, and then came musical entertainments for those who liked them. Many, however, wandered away, some of the younger ascended in their wings for the hall was roofless forming aerial dances others strolled through the various apartments examining the curiosities with which they were stored 
or formed themselves into groups for various games the favorite of which is a complicated kind of chess played by eight persons i mixed with the crowd but was prevented joining in the conversation by the constant companionship of one or the other of my host's sons appointed to keep me from obtrusive questionings the guests however noticed me but slightly they had grown accustomed to my appearance seeing me so often in the streets and i had ceased to excite much curiosity to my great delight z avoided me and evidently sought to excite my jealousy by marked attentions to a very handsome young An, who though as is the modest custom of the males when addressed by females he answered with downcast eyes and blushing cheeks and was demure and shy as young ladies new to the world are in most civilized countries except england and america was evidently much charmed by the tall gi and ready to falter a bashful yes if she had actually proposed fervently hoping that she would and more and more averse to the idea of reduction to a cinder after i had seen the rapidity with which a human body can be hurried into a pinch of dust i amused myself by watching the manners of the other young people i had the satisfaction of observing that z was no singular asserter of a female's most valued rights wherever i turned my eyes or lent my ears it seemed to me that the gi was the wooing party and the on the coy and reluctant one the pretty innocent airs which an on gave himself on being thus courted the dexterity with which he evaded direct answers to professions of attachment or turned into jest the flattering compliments addressed to him would have done honor to the most accomplished coquette both my male chaperones were subjected greatly to these seductive influences and both acquitted themselves with wonderful honor to their tact and self-control i said to the elder son who preferred mechanical employments to the management of a great property and who was of an eminently philosophical temperament i find it difficult to conceive how at your age and with all the intoxicating effects on the senses of music and lights and perfumes you can be so cold to that impassioned young gi who has just left you with tears in her eyes at your cruelty the young An replied with a sigh gentle tish the greatest misfortune in life is to marry one gi if you are in love with another oh you are in love with another alas yes and she does not return your love i don't know sometimes a look a tone makes me hope so but she has never plainly told me that she loves me have you not whispered in her own ear that you love her fie what are you thinking of what world do you come from could i so betray the dignity of my sex could i be so unonly so lost to shame as to own love to a gi who has not first owned hers to me pardon 
I was not quite aware that you pushed the modesty of your sex so far. But does no An ever say to a Gi, I love you, till she says it first to him? I can't say that no An has ever done so, but if he ever does, he is disgraced in the eyes of the Anna, and secretly despised by the Jaye. No Gi, well brought up, would listen to him. She would consider that he audaciously infringed on the rights of her sex, while outraging the modesty which dignifies his own. It is very provoking, continued the An, for she whom I love has certainly courted no one else, and I cannot but think she likes me. Sometimes I suspect that she does not court me because she fears I would ask some unreasonable settlement as to the surrender of her rights. But if so, she cannot really love me, for where a gi really loves, she forgoes all rights. Is this young gi present? Oh, yes, she sits yonder talking to my mother. I looked in the direction to which my eyes were thus guided, and saw a gi dressed in robes of bright red, which among this people is a sign that a gi as yet prefers a single state. She wears gray, a neutral tint, to indicate that she is looking about for a spouse. Dark purple, if she wishes to intimate that she has made a choice. Purple and orange when she is betrothed or married. Light blue when she is divorced or a widow and would marry again. Light blue is, of course, seldom seen. Among a people where all are of so high a type of beauty, it is difficult to single out one as peculiarly handsome. My young friend's choice seemed to me to possess the average of good looks, but there was an expression in her face that pleased me more than did the faces of the young Jaye generally, because it looked less bold, less conscious of female rights. I observed that, while she talked to Bra, she glanced from time to time sidelong at my young friend. Courage, said I, that young Gi loves you. Aye, but if she shall not say so, how am I the better for her love? Your mother is aware of your attachment? Perhaps so. I never owned it to her. It would be unonly to confide such weakness to a mother. I have told my father. He may have told it again to his wife. Will you permit me to quit you for a moment and glide behind your mother and your beloved? I am sure they are talking about you. Do not hesitate. I promise that I will not allow myself to be questioned till I rejoin you. The young An pressed his hand on his heart, touched me lightly on the head, and allowed me to quit his side. I stole unobserved behind his mother and his beloved. I overheard their talk. Bra was speaking. Said she, There can be no doubt of this. Either my son, who is of marriageable age, will be decoyed into marriage with one of his many suitors, or he will join those who emigrate to a distance, and we shall see him no more. If you really care for him, my dear Lo, you should propose. I do care for him, Bra, but I doubt if I could really ever win his affections. 
he is fond of his inventions and timepieces and i am not like z but so dull that i fear i could not enter into his favourite pursuits and then he would get tired of me and at the end of three years divorce me and i could never marry another never it is not necessary to know about timepieces to know how to be so necessary to the happiness of an on who cares for timepieces that he would rather give up the timepieces than divorce his gi you see my dear lo continued bra that precisely because we are the stronger sex we rule the other provided we never show our strength if you were superior to my son in making timepieces and automata you should as his wife always let him suppose you thought him superior in that art to yourself the on tacitly allows the preeminence of the gi in all except his own special pursuit but if she either excels him in that or affects not to admire him for his proficiency in it he will not love her very long perhaps he may even divorce her but where a gi really loves she soon learns to love all that the on does the young gi made no answer to this address she looked down musingly then a smile crept over her lips and she rose still silent and went through the crowd till she paused by the young An who loved her i followed her steps but discreetly stood at a little distance while i watched them somewhat to my surprise till i recollected the coy tactics among the ana the lover seemed to receive her advances with an air of indifference he even moved away but she pursued his steps and a little time after both spread their wings and vanished amid the luminous space above just then i was accosted by the chief magistrate who mingled with the crowd distinguished by no signs of deference or homage it so happened that i had not seen this great dignitary since the day i had entered his dominions and recalling apalin's words as to his terrible doubt whether or not i should be dissected a shudder crept over me at the sight of his tranquil countenance i hear much of you stranger from my son tai said the tour laying his hand politely on my bended head he is very fond of your society and i trust you are not displeased with the customs of our people i muttered some unintelligible answer which i intended to be an assurance of my gratitude for the kindness i had received from the tour and my admiration of his countrymen but the dissecting knife gleamed before my mind's eye and choked my utterance a softer voice said my brother's friend must be dear to me and looking up i saw a young gi who might be sixteen years old standing beside the magistrate and gazing at me with a very benignant countenance she had not come to her full growth and was scarcely taller than myself namely about five feet ten inches and thanks to that comparatively diminutive stature i thought her the loveliest gi i had hitherto seen i suppose something in my eyes revealed that impression for her countenance grew yet more benignant 
Tai tells me, she said, that you have not yet learnt to accustom yourself to wings. That grieves me, for I should have liked to fly with you. Alas, I replied, I can never hope to enjoy that happiness. I am assured by Z that the safe use of wings is a hereditary gift, and it would take generations before one of my race could poise himself in the air like a bird. Let not that thought vex you too much, replied this amiable princess, for after all there must come a day when Z and myself must resign our wings forever. Perhaps when that day comes we might be glad if the An we chose was also without wings. The tour left us, and was lost among the crowd. I began to feel at ease with Thais' charming sister, and rather startled her by the boldness of my compliment in replying that no An she could choose would ever use his wings to fly away from her. It is so against custom for an aunt to say such civil things to a gi till she has declared her passion for him and been accepted as his betrothed that the young maiden stood quite dumbfounded for a few moments. Nevertheless, she did not seem displeased. At last, recovering herself, she invited me to accompany her into one of the less crowded rooms and listen to the songs of the birds. I followed her steps as she glided before me, and she led me into a chamber almost deserted. A fountain of naphtha was playing in the center of the room. Round it were ranged soft divans, and the walls of the room were open on one side to an aviary in which the birds were chanting their artful chorus. The gi seated herself on one of the divans, and I placed myself at her side. Tai tells me, she said, that Apalin has made it the law. Note, literally, has said, in this house be it requested. Words synonymous with law, as implying forcible obligation, are avoided by this singular people. Even had it been decreed by the Tur that his college of sages should dissect me, the decree would have ran blandly thus. Be it requested that for the good of the community the carnivorous Tish be requested to submit himself to dissection. End note. That Apalin has made it the law of his house that you are not to be questioned as to the country you come from or the reason why you visit us. Is it so? It is. May I at least, without sinning against that law, Ask, at least, if the Jaye in your country are of the same pale color as yourself, and no taller? I do not think, O oh beautiful Gi, that I infringe the law of Apalin, which is more binding on myself than any one, if I answer questions so innocent. The Jaye in my country are much fairer of hue than I am, and their average height is at least a head shorter than mine. They cannot then be so strong as the Anna amongst you. But I suppose their superior vril force makes up for such extraordinary disadvantage of size. They do not profess the vril force, as you know it, but still they are very powerful in my country, and an An has small chance of a happy life if he be not more or less governed by his gi.
"'You speak feelingly,' said Tai's sister, in a tone of voice half sad, half petulant. "'You are married, of course.' "'No, certainly not.' "'Nor betrothed?' "'Nor betrothed. "'Is it possible that no gi has proposed to you?' "'In my country the gi does not propose. "'An on speaks first. "'What a strange reversal of the laws of nature!' said the maiden, and what want of modesty in your sex! But have you never proposed, never loved one gi more than another? I felt embarrassed by these ingenious questionings, and said, Pardon me, but I think we are beginning to infringe upon Apalin's injunction. This much only will I answer, and then, I implore you, ask no more. I did once feel the preference you speak of. I did propose, and the gi would willingly have accepted me, but her parents refused their consent. Parents? Do you mean seriously to tell me that parents can interfere with the choice of their daughters? Indeed they can, and do very often. I should not like to live in that country, said the gi simply, but I hope you will never go back to it. I bowed my head in silence. The gi gently raised my face with her right hand, and looked into it tenderly. "'Stay with us,' she said. "'Stay with us, and be loved.' What I might have answered, what dangers of becoming a cinder I might have encountered, I still trouble to think, when the light of the naphtha fountain was obscured by the shadow of wings, and Z, flying through the open roof, alighted beside us. She said not a word, but taking my arm with her mighty hand, she drew me away, as a mother draws a naughty child, and led me through the apartments to one of the corridors, on which, by the mechanism they generally prefer to stairs, we ascended to my own room. This gained, Z breathed on my forehead, touched my breast with her staff, and I was instantly plunged into a profound sleep. End of chapter 25, part 1